0: the truth news network you ever watch tv even the commercials and the propaganda is so thick you can't avoid it whatever happened to entertainment are we all to be inundated with propaganda as civilization collapses no they can try we can resist and our shield against those swords is the truth welcome to tnn the truth news network and your knight templar against the hordes is dan newman
1: i'm against mob rule i'm for democracy more specifically i'm for our representative republic as we saw founded in our early days as a nation representative republic good morning everybody welcome to tnn live boy do we have a jam-packed show for you today As always, well, almost always on Tuesdays, Steve Baker will join us at the top of hour number two. He's got a plate full of goodies for you and for me between now and then, more and more and more information that you need to hear. We've got a bunch of that for you today. So how is your week going? I would think it's going pretty darn good. You're still here. You're not assuming room temperature, at least yet today. We're all saying that right now. So that's a good thing to start off with. But you know what? There's always going to be good stuff, but there's sadly always going to be bad things. So we're going to put all of that together this morning, and we're going to give you the highlights. We're not going to dig in really deep because there are so many things we need to at least mention and get you thinking about. Supreme Court's got a bunch of stuff going on right now. D-E-I, you know what that means? (laughs) Diversity, equity, and what? You think about the I in that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I think it's always good when we start the show with a good, 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 good song, a good old song, with one of my favorite all-time groups, Steely Dan. You remember them? In the 70s long-haired hippie guys those of them that are left are bald (laughs) like yours truly uh no static at all that's the name of the song listen to the words morning again if you just joined us during the song that was steely dan and the song title i want to tell you i get asked this all the time what does that song title reference no static at all now many of you probably aren't old enough to realize you can't identify with what the topic of that song is This was Steely Dan. Back in the middle to late 70s, they got really, really popular. But what else was going on in the music world, in radio world? AM radio was all we had at that particular time. And it was extremely low frequency. And you remember you kind of struggle with the radio knob to get it right on cue. So you could get maybe a decent sounding song. But you had static And, oh, my gosh, it changed all the time. But then, with the advent of FM radio, 96.5 KVKI. You remember those when they changed from 710 Kiel Radio? That was AM. 96.5 FM is when you got real stereo on your radio, and it sounded like real music, like the artist was sitting right there in front of you. It was such a big thing in the music world Steely Dan wrote a song about no static at all. <laughs> now, whoever said back then, if you listen to a song, you got real meaning. Pretty much in every song. Everything had a theme. Now, probably, every song has a theme that comes out of this generation of um, musicians. But most of the time, for an old guy like me, it's hard to figure out what the words are all about. And that's okay. I like much of today's music. I have um, problems with some other. I'm sure probably you do too. I wish they could keep the four-letter words out of music. It's, It's there purposely for shock value and all that kind of stuff. But if you're a good enough writer and if you're a good enough singer, you don't need the shock value. Just tell your story and put some good music under it. Those are the marks of great songwriters. And you got that lesson for free this morning. Well, Steve Baker's going to join us. He's back with us now in the normal day Tuesday. He'll be here in our second hour. He's got some new things to talk to you about. And we've got some things we want to talk to Steve about. So make sure you stick around for that. If you got to go somewhere, maybe a meeting or something, try to do it now because 50 minutes from now, Steve's going to join us and you don't want to miss a minute. So, Israel, Hamas, it continues to happen, arguments, everybody's got an opinion, and of course my opinion about it, just like every other opinion, is the right one, and yours is wrong, if you happen to disagree with my opinion, right? Nowhere else in the United States is it more obvious the contention between those who support Israel and Israel's right to exist, and Hamas, who feel like they have not only the right to exist, but they need to be able to determine where they're going to live their nation. Screw anybody that has it already. That doesn't matter, doesn't matter how they got it. All that matters, is just like kids. If some neighbor friend gets a toy, well, it, I deserve a toy, I want that toy. That's literally what it comes down to. But there's no place in the U.S. where it's more obvious than in California. As you probably know, there's a big Democrat primary race up for the U.S. Senate to replace Senator Dianne Feinstein, who passed away. And it's upended, this race, by the conflict between, you guessed it, Israel and Hamas. California Democrat reps that are running to succeed Feinstein, those include Adam Shifty Schiff, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee, who, by the way, was a member of the Senate, but uh, dropped out of running for re-election to serve as the Los Angeles mayor. So far, Lee Barbara Lee is the only candidate to endorse a ceasefire in Gaza amid Israel's responses to Hamas's October 7 terrorist attacks. Angry pro-Palestinian protesters they got in there at a convention, the California Democrat Party, on Saturday and they forced the party to cancel planned caucuses, underscoring the deep divisions within the party. We need to make sure to stand up to genocide and colonization, and it's what I feel like we're doing. Delegate and lawyer Maggala Kincaid, who was with protesters, said that to the LA Times. These particular protests and disruptions angered some of the Jewish delegates. I mean, when you start talking about eradicating an entire race of people just because of the race they were born at, it seems to me like we dealt with that problem back in, oh, I don't know, the 1700s, the 1800s, the 1900s, and to some degree still are today. It's all about skin color. It's all about ethnicity. I thought the Democrats were the ones that had put that all to bed. We accepted. Everybody, we don't care what your nation of origin is, what language you speak, what your skin color is, we want you to be among us. Come on in. But don't you dare disagree with them. Hmm. These protests and disruptions angered a bunch of Jewish delegates out in Los Angeles, some of who said the state's Democrat Party leader, Rusty Hicks, is not doing enough to protect its members. Many were shaken from the disrupted and violent acts they saw. That comes from Randall Lachman, who's a Jewish delegate and also the president of Democrats for Israel in California. We can't win Michigan or Virginia without Muslim votes. You can't win Nevada, Pennsylvania without the Jewish community. That's Lachman speaking to the LA Times. So anyone who thinks they can shout the other one out of the room is hurting the Democrat Party. Now, wait a minute, Democrat Party, haven't they been telling us the whole time I've been cognizant of politics in my 70 years, we're the party of commonality. We accept anybody and everyone. Just come on in. We want you to be one of us. And don't worry about our differences or yours. We're going to be fine with it. And you say, that's horse hockey. They're the most racist political party in history. Prove me wrong. Anybody, prove me wrong. So Hicks condemned the protesters out in Los Angeles Sunday, and he said any delegate who actively participated in or aided in the furtherance of those activities and events will be held accountable. So Porter's take on the Israel-Palestinian conflict has been described as more hawkish than her opponent, Barbara Lee. There are lost lives in Gaza, and there are lost lives in Israel, Porter said in October, in a forum alongside Lee and Adam Schiff. And it's because the U.S. has allowed terrorism to flourish, and it's refused to take a strong enough stance against Iran, who is backing Hamas and Hezbollah. Well, what they don't say there is, that should have been when Porter Porter made this statement, and I'm going to quote what Porter should have started with. This is my opinion. There are lost lives in Gaza. There are lost lives in Israel. And it's because, here we go, pointing fingers. It's all because the United States has allowed terrorism to flourish. I didn't know we were over there working to give Hamas teaching, training on how to become racist and become terrorist. I think they probably already had that figured out. So this is somebody that's attacking us for what's happened over there in the Middle East. And Porter continued, said, it's refused, talking about the United States, has refused to take a strong enough stance against Iran who is backing Hamas and Hezbollah. You know, like... Joe Biden and Barack Obama did, those eight years there. They made sure there was no terrorism anywhere on the earth. And if you don't believe it, just ask Joe. I'd tell you to ask Barack, but he's disappeared in the last three weeks. His Joe Biden ship is sinking, sinking too fast for even Barack Obama. So the former senator, now L.A. Mayor Barbara Lee, won a plurality of the convention votes just ahead of Adam Schiff. But no candidate got the required 60% to gain the party's official endorsement. Now, Schiff came out in support of Israel. One day after the Hamas terrorist attacks, October 7th, I stand strongly with Israel in the face of this terrorist attack by Hamas and this declaration of war on the people of Israel, Schiff said in the press release. Isn't it interesting? All of these leaders, and you're going to hear a little bit later in the show, you're going to hear from Mayor, the mayor of uh, New York City, Eric Adams. When things are going good, going their way, it's because of me, 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 me. I got this to happen. This is happening because of me. But when the worm turns and things aren't going quite the way you predicted they would, all of a sudden it's, oh no, they're attacking. I didn't say this. They're doing this the wrong way. They didn't listen to me. Top federal Democrat lawmakers released a statement a few days ago. It did not condemn violent pro-Palestinian protesters who got aggressive with cops, outside of the Democrat National Committee headquarters the night before. Now, what would those cops have done if that had been, instead of some uh, pro-Palestinian protesters, if it was pro-Israeli protesters? We'll think that through for a second. My question, how would the cops have re- responded to that? Well, there wouldn't have been any violence in the first place unless somebody was there to counter the pro-Israeli, protest? Why is it that everybody that self-identifies as a Democrat tries to find a way to make terrorism, make beating people up and attacks of all kinds? It's okay if it fits in line with your narrative, which that's what fits in line with the far left in the Democrat Party. Isn't it sad that we've devolved into a nation that hates each other? Well, not everybody, but a lot of people. And even worse, instead of getting together and trying to explain one's feelings compared to that of somebody who disagrees and their feelings, instead of doing that, this generation and the previous generation, maybe the one before that, I'm so old, I'm 70, I don't know how many there are, in my lifetime that I could have possibly referenced in my life, in my thinking. I don't get it. Nobody seems to want to try to get consensus to talk to each other. They much preferred getting out in the street and threatening each other and not even having a conversation. I'll bet you those people in LA that went crazy. If you grabbed 10 of them and asked, each of those 10 that you grab, and maybe "grabs" not a good term to use in this context, but got them to talk to you. And you asked all 10 of them, why? What is different about what you think as compared to about what the other side thinks? I bet you of those 10, probably at most two could give you a real explanation for it. But let me give you a two-word term, and you need to plant this in your brain. This is what this kind of stuff is all about, and nothing else. Mob rule. Mob rule. Nobody likes to get out there anymore, especially in the context of the lawlessness across the United States and much of the world today. Besides that, what happens is people want to be important. They want to feel like they are the ones that have the answers. And the only way to get that position and hang on to it is to convince everybody to agree with you, even if it means clubbing them over the head, beating them, shooting them. We've seen all of that since October the 7th here in the United States. We're not talking about in Israel or Gaza, we're talking about here in the United States. And the sad thing about that is the reason so few will give you the correct answer is because as we have showed you, much of the protest that turned into riots in this whole thing were seeded by people that don't even have a dog in the hunt. What they're trying to do is cause divisiveness, terror in the United States, and to diminish the rule of law even more so than it's been diminished during the Biden administration it's all about I'll do whatever it takes to make these people agree with me even if I have to get violent with them and they do it and they're getting paid in large part they're getting paid to go do it how many pro-Israeli terrorist organizations are there I don't know of a single one. Now, I know of several that people on the other side would say are sinister, like Mossad, and they're nothing but a combination of FBI and CIA. I don't know that's sinister, but the intelligence agencies are necessary, sad to say, in every country on the planet right now. But as far as somebody that will pay Israeli people to come out for whatever reason or reasons... They want to come out and make us stink. You don't see that. Last week, that big rally in the Washington Mall, 290,000 people, we were told. 290,000. Not one incident. No cops had to handle anything. It was peaceful. It was a sign of support, pushing for real immunity, based upon democracy. Don't have to worry about anything you do or what people think about you if you're doing the right thing all the time. Well, what's the right thing, Dan? You can't talk about things like the southern border down there and who's right and who's wrong. We need to change our immigration laws. We need to do it, and we can't get equality. We can't get equity, unless and until we do it. It doesn't work that way. In a representative republic, the people are the bosses. What people, Dan? 330-something million of us. The country belongs to us, according to our founding document. That hadn't been changed to take that out of it. And it can't be unless there is the process that is ironclad of how, if you want to change it, you can change it. And who gets involved in that? The people. The people have sent people to D.C. to represent them in every issue that pertains to voters and citizens across the United States. Well, we can't get enough people to back this thing yet. We've got to shut them up, silence their voices, and force them to believe like us. That's not democracy. That's what these crazed Democrat mobsters are trying to shove down the throats of three generations of Americans who have swallowed the poison pill. I don't know the name of the poison pill, but it's got a big DNC on the side of it. They keep screaming all the time. They talk about Donald Trump. We even have Republicans, the Rhino Republicans, even people like the current... Senator, U.S. Senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin. He came out over the weekend and said, I can't vote for Donald Trump. Tough job, buddy. You can vote for whoever you want to, and it's okay for you to say whatever you want to. But don't demean somebody that thinks opposite of you just because you think maybe they're wrong and you're right. Guess what? They think you're wrong and they're right. But we, the people, are the ones that if there are going to be changes in our federal laws, those laws were passed in the constitutional process that we're talking about. And that's the way, if you want to change them, they have to be changed. You can't force people to accept laws that are not constitutionally created and implemented. And so what's the mob on the left, the DNC, what are they all about? They're all about... Forget about the laws. We're the people. And we decided we have a majority in the Senate. We have control of the White House. And we have control of almost half of the House of Representatives. So that means you should listen to us. And whatever we say, we're the voices of the majority of the people. That's the way it's got to be. Well, that's not what the Constitution says. And by the way... Listen closely, that is an example of anti-democracy, of authoritarianism, and borderline communism. And in every democracy throughout world history, before our democracy, our republic, our representative republic, everyone before us, it went away. Why did it go away? For these exact same things. People in government wanted more power. They lusted for power and everything that comes with it so much that they were willing to destroy the very structure that made those democratic nations successful. And so now, this all started with Donald Trump when he was running. They didn't call him a tyrant or a debacle. They called him a socialist of all things. They call him now. A Nazi, of all things. What Donald Trump is, and what the Republican Party, almost all of, and I had to put that little fiat in what I was saying, almost all Republicans are still in full support of a representative republic. But the margin is very, very slim. Very slim. So nations around the world they're looking at us and believe it or not they kind of like the way we has been not the way we is now case in point we talked about him yesterday Javier Milei Argentina's new libertarian president here's what he said and it's bleeped so i'm going to i'm not going to say the nasty words i'll spell them here's what he said yesterday leftist SOBs be afraid now imagine if Donald Trump said that on an international stage what would they do what would the left do they would spin themselves into the ground they'd be so frantic twirling, screaming, hollering but real real conservative people understand that that's not what he meant when he said it he is a libertarian He is a politician, and he's a former Argentine economist, Javier Malay. He won Argentina's presidential elections on Sunday. He's a self-described anarcho-capitalist. Anarcho, A-N-A-R-C-H-O, anarcho anarcho-capitalist. He's promised to end Argentina's rampant inflation, which, by the way, you think ours is bad? Argentina's recently went up. 140 percent. How's he going to do it? He says he's going to replace the local currency with the American dollar and eliminate half of the country's government agencies. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Joe Biden just got 82,000 more IRS agents. (laughs) And... This guy in South America, they don't know what we know. They're not as smart as we. This new president says, we've got to dump half the country's government agencies, (laughs) which he often symbolized by wielding a chainsaw on the campaign trail. That's according to the Associated Press. Malay is a prominent believer in conservatism, has frequently denounced leftist policies as the reason for Argentina's struggling economy and culture of poverty. If he was a preacher standing up and I was in a service and he was saying these things, I'd stand on my feet and say, preach it, brother, it's the truth. Quote, this is quoting the Argentinian president. The mode, the model of decadence has come to an end and there's no going back, he said in his victory speech. We have monumental problems ahead. Inflation, lack of work, and poverty. The situation is critical. There's no place for tepid half measures. Now, as opposed to American politics, especially the political operations on the left, this guy's got a past. He's got a history. And the Argentinian people looked at his past And they liked not so much what he said and promised he was going to do if they elected him, but they looked at what he's done. He's known for his impassioned personality, and it's often referred to as the madman and the wig. If you see him, see his hair, he's got bushy, bushy hair. He's got uh, Elvis Presley sideburns. That's how he got the tag, the wig. In addition to his envisioned economic policies, Malay has taken conservative stances on cultural issues too. No more DEI. I don't even know if they had it, but that would be a comparative thing that we need to do. Down there, it's such as laxer gun control regulations, immigration restrictions, and smaller government while opposing liberal ideologies like abortion, feminist policies, and political elitism. Leftist sobs, be afraid," he said. "Freedom goes forward. Hail freedom! Damn it!" <laughs> so, prior to winning the presidential election, Malay served as a senior economist at multiple major business conglomerates in Argentina. That included Corporation America, where he served as chief economist till he was elected as a lawmaker in 2021. Malay got prominence as a television and media personality infamous for his impassioned rants against Argentina's political cast. This guy sounds like Donald Trump in 2016. But you know what? Just like Donald Trump in 2016 for his four years as president, you know what Donald Trump is known for besides all the nasty things that are spouted by everybody on the left about Trump, Trump this, Trump that. They can't take away what Trump did. The only way they could get any American to even think about negatively about Donald Trump's four years is to fill their heads that are probably full of mush right now, because I'm talking about those three generations behind mine, They came through these radical leftist high schools and colleges in the United States, and they've got their way of thinking, and the way they think is the only way that anybody should think, and they're going to do anything and everything to try to force their thoughts on to everybody in the country. That's exactly what happened during the four years of Donald Trump. And those that were holding the keys of power in politics, they were quietly working behind the stage and they were in unanimity about this one thing. We're not going to let this guy keep going the way he's going because we're seizing control of America and every structure, part of it, agency. We're taking control and the American people are going to have to look to us for every answer. You watch what happens in Argentina. We're going to see some of this stuff. It'll be exactly what happened here. Hopefully this guy will be able to run for president down there and win. Not because people got after him politically, but because maybe an election would be slightly manipulated, maybe literally manipulated, or maybe just putting out a bunch of pack of lies day after day after day, accusations that have no substance. So much so that at the end of it, people think, you know what? They keep harping on this. Maybe there's some truth to what they're saying. What we've got to do in the United States is let everybody understand Just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. And just because something you think is wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. Look for facts. Stop listening to what you're hearing. Look for and confirm facts. The new
2: Amazon Echo has
1: everyone asking Alexa
2: for help.
0: Alexa, what time is it?
2: What the hell is wrong with this
1: blasted thing? Amanda!
2: <laughs> but the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a
0: busted machine again. Oh,
2: That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather.
0: Allegra, what is the weather outside?
3: It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that.
2: <laughs> the latest in
1: sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night?
3: Satchel Page died in 1982. How many did he get? Satchel Page is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Page.
2: Uh, I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture.
3: Manita.
4: What are them boys up to across the street?
3: They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I
2: don't know about that. <laughs> Here it to smart devices like your thermostat.
0: Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize?
2: The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young.
4: Angela, play black jazz. Playing uh, jazz.
2: (laughs) It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things.
3: Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand.
2: And it has an uh-huh feature for long, rambling
0: stories. So then I gave him $5, and he said I only gave him $1.
3: Uh-huh. I said,
0: I know I gave you a $5. uh huh Because I only had a 5 and a $1 on Uh-huh. And this is the $1 right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon
2: Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now.
0: Left versus right, Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus liberal. Which side do you take? The side of the truth on TNN. TruthNewsNet.org. The Truth News Network. So, which side of the
1: spectrum do you fall in on? I'm pretty sure you're a good American. You believe in the nation. You believe in the rule of law, and you believe in everybody being treated the exact same way regarding any and every legal matter. Sadly, we've seen that very surreptitiously pulled away, and hopefully we can stop it before it happens. News coming out regarding Derek Chauvin. You remember that cop that was accused and convicted of Murder of Derek, uh, excuse me, of uh, George Floyd up in Minnesota. Chauvin was sentenced to 22 and a half years after he was convicted. 22 and a half years. Now, there's a couple of things going on that you need to know about, and neither one of them are very good at this particular point. He appealed, Chauvin appealed his second degree manslaughter case, and it went to the Minnesota Court of Appeals, and they upheld his conviction in April. Now, there's new evidence out that was hidden purposely even about the time the trial started for Chauvin. The person, there were two people that did George Floyd's, um, oh, I just went blank, autopsy. Two people did it. A guy, I guess he was the chief Uh, person autopsy in Minnesota, and his assistant, which was female. And they came out, and they said there was evidence that proved that Derek Chauvin's kneeling when George Floyd was on the, the concrete face down, they held him down, and it looked like Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd's net. And Floyd apparently, that's what the autopsy said, died from that. Well, it came out three weeks ago, the female in this, apparently there was some stuff between her and her boss, and she came out and revealed and presented evidence that showed they knew the autopsy proved that George Floyd was not killed by that. In fact, there was no problem at all with his neck in any way. In fact, the official cause of death, are you sitting down? Fentanyl poisoning. He had so much fentanyl in his blood that he killed him. So in the wake of all of this, Chauvin's case, we're going to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Yesterday, the Supreme Court declined to hear his appeal of his conviction. I don't know what that's about. But if the other stuff is as it has been documented to be, We don't need an innocent man. I don't care what his skin color is, his nationality, his religion. None of that matters. The rule of law needs to come into play here. Somebody up the chain made a boo-boo. And sounds to me like somebody made a boo-boo purposely. What about you? There's another big case that the Supreme Court is thinking about taking on, and it's another one of those major Second Amendment cases. The Department of Justice wants the Supreme Court to deny a Pennsylvania man his Second Amendment rights for making false statements to get food stamps in 1995. Now, what does that have to do with this? Well, though the Third Circuit Court of Appeals found in his favor, lawyers for this guy, Brian David Range, are joining the DOJ in seeking the probe The limits of June 22nd decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin. The high court hadn't decided whether or not to hear the case. According to court documents, back in 95, Mr. Range's wife understated their household income on an application for public assistance. Mr. Range took responsibility for that act, and he pled guilty to make a false statement when applying for food stamps in the Court of Common Pleas of Lancaster County in Pennsylvania, and he was sentenced to three years of probation for that. Court records show he completed his sentence without any incident. He also paid twenty four hundred fifty-eight dollars in restitution, two hundred eighty-eight dollars and twenty nine cents in cost, and a hundred dollar fine. So in other words, he was found guilty and he paid he was held accountable and he paid for his crime. His criminal history is limited to minor tri- traffic infractions, and he got busted for fishing without a license. Though the conviction is a misdemeanor in Pennsylvania, the feds recognize any sentence of two years or more as equivalent to a felony. So in 1998, he tried to buy a deer rifle, and he couldn't get approved. His wife thought the rejection was an error and bought the gun for him as a gift. Years later, Mr. Range tried to buy a firearm, was rejected again. It was then that he learned that the 95 conviction was the reason. He sold his rifle to a firearms dealer. So, Mr. Range sued in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania for an injunction that would allow him to possess a firearm. The court ruled that Mr. Range could not own a gun as a convicted felon. He appealed that decision in 2021, and as that appeal was working its way through the courts, the Bruin decision was released. Under Bruin, the government must show that gun control laws align with the text of the Second Amendment and the history and their tradition of American gun laws. So stay with me. We're almost through this. This is important for every Second Amendment American to hear and understand. The Court of Appeals for the Third District Court ruled that, under Bruin, there was no historical analog for depriving offenders like Mr. Range of their Second Amendment rights. Mr. Range claimed that the courts have historically considered dangerousness as a factor in determining whether to revoke a Second Amendment right and that he was not convicted of a violent crime. A majority of the Third Circuit Court of Appeals found that the government had not demonstrated a historical analog for taking the Second Amendment rights away from Range. The court expressly refused to rule on Mr. Range's dangerousness argument. We need not decide this dispute today because the government did not carry its burden to provide a historical analog to permanently disarm someone like Range, whether grounded in dangerousness or not. In its petition, the DOJ responded that American history shows a consistent pattern of revoking felon Second Amendment rights. DOJ lawyers wrote that dangerousness is not a requirement under Bruin. And according to this new petition by the DOJ, Mr. Range's conviction places him in, quote, a category that properly exclude those who have demonstrated disregard for the rule of law through the commission of felony and felony equivalent offenses, in other words, from owning guns, whether or not those crimes are violent. They wrote that Mr. Range's case falls under the same law as Zaki Rahimi's case in USA v. Rahimi and should be decided in light of the court's decision in that case. After deciding Rahimi, The court should either, one, grant this petition, vacate the Court of Appeals judgment, and remand the case for reconsideration in light of Rahimi, or two, grant plenary review in this case, or in another case that provides a more suitable vehicle for resolving Section 922-G1's constitutionality. This is from the DOJ in their petition. Now, Rahimi... And I'm going to end it here. That is an Arlington, Texas Rahimi drug dealer who abused his girlfriend, had a penchant for shooting at people who made him mad. In 2019, his girlfriend petitioned the court and won a domestic violence restraining order against him. That federal law used anyone subject to such an order from possessing or purchasing firearms. So after the order, which Rahimi reportedly agreed to, was issued. He assaulted another woman, subsequently involved in at least five more shootings. And he claims 18 U.S.C. 922 is unconstitutional. So in their response to the DOJ petition, Ranges' lawyers asked the court to hear Ranges' case during the same term as the Rahimi case. These issues are complementary and important, and it would be beneficial for the court's decision-making to consider both during the same term. Now what do you get, what's your takeaway in that? I have a couple of them. When I read this story yesterday, I started thinking about it. Does it appear to you as it does to me that there are people out there? Now who would these people be? One would think anybody that opposes the private ownership of a gun is somebody that just hates guns. I don't think that's the case. I think what it's about is a whole system slow move to the left. And these people today know that based upon case law that has been tried over and over and over again in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, with all of that out there, they've got to find ways to chip away at the standard normal historical acceptance of the U.S. Supreme Court renderings over generations. And which one are you talking about? According to our forefathers, every American has the right, the unequivocal right to own a gun and protecting themselves with it is the underlying permission that has always existed there. Dozens of Second Amendment cases has confirmed that. These people that want to control guns, they see it's not going to come with just one court test. It's going to take a series over a long period of time. And they're chipping away at it with little, and I don't want to diminish either one of these two cases, but they're chipping away at it a little bit at a time instead of trying to take big bites out of it because that's going to make it Even harder to get any ruling, any series of rulings on this that might, it just might, give somebody a chance to start the process diligently to get rid of private gun ownership. I'm almost certain that's what's going on. We're going to watch this and other cases, and when one like this comes up, we'll let you know about it. I've got a transgender case Something happening right now in the United States of America that I want to get into. But before that, don't forget Steve Baker is joining us in about 10 minutes now. Something has come up regarding this stuff happening over in Israel and Hamas. And it has to do with what the U.S. has done under Joe Biden regarding military um, appearance and a bunch of it on ships and helicopters and jets being in the eastern mediterranean yesterday cheryl cassone she's from fox business had a former general loan and got into this i think this is very important for us to understand
3: president biden was pressed on reports that israel and hamas are closing in on a hostage deal yesterday watch this
4: Mr. President, is a hostage deal near? Sir, is a hostage deal near? Mr. President, is a hostage deal near? I believe so, but I'm not prepared to talk to you. I believe so? Yes. Thank you.
3: Meanwhile, U.S. troops in the Middle East have now been attacked 64 times by Iranian proxy forces since October 17th. U.S. military also announcing it will extend the deployment of the USS Gerald Ford carrier strike group in the eastern Mediterranean near Israel for another 30 days. Joining me now, retired two-star Marine Corps general, the Panaro Group CEO and author of the ever-shrinking fighting force, Arnold Panaro General, good morning.
5: Cheryl, privileged to be with you this morning.
3: It's always wonderful to speak with you. Let's first talk about this potential hostage deal. Uh, Over the weekend, it seemed that that it was very close. Even the president seemed to think that there was a deal in place, but still we haven't heard anything. Uh, As time goes on, are you less confident that we're going to see some hostages released by Hamas?
5: Well, Cheryl, certainly it's encouraging news that they're talking about a hostage release that that's encouraging. uh, However, let's be focused on the fundamentals. This is less than 20 percent of the actually prisoners of war that the Hamas has taken, contrary to any of the laws of armed conflicts. These are women and children and babies. They're not combatants. They never should have been taken in the first place. And what started this was Hamas's 40 days ago brutal and savage attack that killed thousands of Israelis, including Americans. And so while this is an encouraging development, we should never trust Hamas. And so we'll see how it plays out.
3: Lee Carter is on set with me. Lee, go ahead. So the, the president has a real
2: issue on his hands. Seventy percent of Americans disapprove of his handling of the situation in Gaza. Do you think that if this release were to happen and it's not a complete release, does that help him or not? And, and does it really end what we're seeing over there? Or is this just the beginning of what's, what's likely to be years and years and years of chaos?
5: well certainly that's not an area the polling and things like that that's not an area of my military expertise and and again typically in conflict the prisoners are not exchanged to the end of the conflict and like i mentioned uh, this would just be a temporary pause it doesn't change the fundamental underlying situation where hamas has avowed to basically wipe out the state of israel and all the jewish people living there that's their goal And israel has got a right to defend itself and you know hopefully there will be an exchange of the hostages but it's not going to change any of the fundamentals and it's going to be a long uh, slug uh, for Israel to basically uh, get Hamas out of the north, in the middle, in the southern part of Gaza.
3: I mentioned that, that the Gerald Ford carrier strike group, their, their deployment has been extended by another 30 days. Unfortunately, they're, they're not going to be coming home for Thanksgiving, which I know that those soldiers were, were hoping to do. So let's talk about this. U.S. forces now in the region more and more that we know of. Obviously, there's probably more. more operations happening that that we don't know about uh, to support our ally, which is Israel. How concerned are you about US troops?
5: Well Cheryl, the the advantage of the carrier strike groups, the, the Ford, the Eisenhower, the Bataan amphibious ready groups, uh, the hostage rescue experts that we have uh, in the region, the underseas capability, this is the advantage of naval and marine forces afloat. We can keep them where we need them for as long as we need them, move that powerful combat power around. They're used to these extensions. Naval forces go out on a, typically a six-month deployment, but they get extended all the time. These are the sacrifices the men and women in our military are prepared to make um, for, for our country and, and for our allies and partners. And so this is a, it's a really important for this combat power to stay in the region. Like you said, we're we seeing uh, our forces uh, in, in Iraq and Syria attack. We need to basically uh, provide the deterrence against Iran and, and their proxy allies and, and show that we've got the force in place if we need to use it.
3: Yeah, and we certainly are showing that. Uh, certainly we, we pray for our troops uh, that are serving overseas. I want to move on to China. So they hosted four ministers from mostly Middle Eastern nations in Beijing yesterday for talks about the Israel-Hamas war. This is very concerning, sir. The delegation included officials from, from Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt, the Palestinian Authority and Indonesia. The U.S. State Department was asked about China's role in the Middle East conflict yesterday. I want you to listen to this response.
2: We would welcome China playing a constructive role uh, in the Middle East. If there's anything they can do to prevent the conflict from widening in terms of using the lines of communications that they have available to countries in the Middle East, we would welcome that.
3: Can China play a constructive role, General?
5: Well, listen, Cheryl. As we all know, China has been extending its diplomatic reach uh, around the world for many years. They now have more diplomatic posts around the world than the United States has. Um, I guess, in theory, they could play a constructive role. They're not going to be able to basically uh, bring peace to the Middle East that has eluded, you know, generation after generation. And. I'm not sure how constructive. They're just sort of showing that they're in the middle of things. When a vacuum is created, you know, unfortunately, Russia and China have been moving into the Middle East because some vacuums that we have created by moving some of our capabilities out of the Middle East. So uh, I guess no harm is done, but I certainly wouldn't be that optimistic as the spokesman was about China's role.
3: Yeah, no, I had the same reaction. So real quick, uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen warned yesterday that President Biden and Chinese President Jinping remain far apart on the state of Taiwan's independence. This is after the meeting in San Francisco last week. Yellen said that she, quote, did express the view it's important for Taiwan and mainland China to unify. He'd like that to occur by peaceful means. Uh, what is your reaction to that comment, in particular, this warning coming from from Yellen?
5: Well, Cheryl, I I would say again, uh, I would listen to Mike Gallagher, the chair of the China Select Committee. He believes that as part of this supplemental that you spoke about earlier, where we need it for Ukraine, we need it for Israel, we need to listen to Tom Cotton in terms of what needs to be done in the supplemental for our southern borders. We need to basically beef up the deterrence against China vis-a-vis Taiwan. We need to give Taiwan increased capabilities. We need to move our own forces more into the region. Uh, I certainly don't support the the notion that we want to see China and Taiwan become one uh, uh, country. I think Taiwan needs to maintain its independence, and the United States should, should do everything we possibly can to ensure that outcome
3: all right general arnold Pernaro, it's great to see you uh have a great thanksgiving general
1: there is something that comes from what you just heard that put the big question mark on a lot of this for me we've been attacked we being american military members have been attacked in syria now 67 times 67 times. Fortunately, no one's been killed, but there are massive injuries, most of them brain injuries that have happened over there. What are we doing? We're really not doing anything. What kind of message does that send to the terrorism world? Joe Biden's not going to retaliate. This is the time. America's never been this weak. This is the time to do what they're doing, and they're chipping away at it little bit at a time we are ripe for something big to happen well it's about time two minutes from now we're going to get together with steve baker and the story at the top of the heap i told you it's about some transgender swimming reality and i'm doing this blind steve doesn't know that's where we're going to start he's up next
0: could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry, wee, 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 all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 Wee, wee,
3: wee! wee! wee, wee, wee! Yeah? You're home.
2: Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Northern Tool and Equipment.
0: My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin.
2: No, it isn't.
0: And she uses it in public.
6: Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky.
0: I couldn't do that.
6: I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower.
0: Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin.
4: What are you doing, Snuggle Muffin? Snuggle... I am so out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky.
0: There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment.
4: Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. In so Sunmade's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmade's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade Snacks.
1: Well, the boss is in the house. Steve Baker is hanging off over on the side. I guess he's taking a couple of last-minute breaths. But Steve Baker is here to join us. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Hey, Dan. I'm 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 good. I'm uh, I'm frazzled. I'm about to hit the road again today.
6: I've had about three days at home. Uh, maybe four. Four days at home. And um, I've been so busy since I've been home, I've only actually slept in my bed one of those four days. I have fallen asleep in the Lazy Boy with the laptop every single night this week. Otherwise, other than one until finally last night, I I just shut it down but uh, crazy things are happening big things are happening uh we're getting much more advancement and uh, much deeper into our investigations that we've talked about here already and that we've published stories about regarding the two capital police officers who have uh uh perjured themselves uh in in trial uh, against uh innocent uh, u.s citizens and of course since i gosh since i spoke to you last i've been on the phone with uh governor ron DeSantis about this i'm headed to florida to meet with his uh, attorney general staff down there in just a few days. And then uh, um, on top of that, more and more of our whistleblowers are coming forward and giving us, um, giving us details and information we never dreamed we would get about this. So I think, Dan, I think,
1: I think the, uh, I think the narrative is going to crumble. I think it's well on its way. I, I didn't tell you this. Um, it didn't surprise me when Mike Johnson released those 41,000 hours of video to everybody. I knew he was going to do it, but he made me promise not to tell you. <laughs> You're on his radar well, screen. <laughs> well, let me tell you something.
6: If, if he said that, he and I need to have a talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was picking at me when he said that. Uh, no, yeah. I I think <laughs> the timing of his – do. I knew he was going to do it, but I think the timing was based upon what happened – when he pushed through that government funding bill that all of the really hard right Republicans were dead set against happening. And this was kind of like, you know, I got to get the focus off of me. Let me do something. I was going to do it anyway, but let me do something now to make me look better. And I don't, I don't blame him for that. I think it was the right thing to do.
6: Yeah, it was the right thing to do. And, and, you know, and look, I was, I was being as patient as I could be. That's why I laid off of him on Twitter, you know, because I, you know, before I met with Jordan and before I met with Mike Johnson um, back in May of this year, I was brutal on those guys and their delays and their obf- obfuscations yeah. about uh, covering January six issues and and, and of, of that sort. And it was it was the pressure that you not just my pressure, but the cumulative pressure that that uh, was brought to bear that finally got me in front of those two um, congressmen. And then so many things started happening after that. And I've I've credited them and have said, I would not be where I am at today in the work that I've been doing had it not been for that you know, 10 minutes a piece that I got yeah. with uh, Jim Jordan and with Mike Johnson back in May. And so that, when this uh, change in speakership happened and then we were shut down, we, I mean, it was, you know, it was instant. I don't know if your uh, listeners remember the story, but on the eve of the release of our huge blockbuster, the big story that I've been teasing about for months on that night that my editors were all pouring over it in their legals and they were giving it its final, uh, you know, comb through with that fine, you know, uh, uh, you know, to comb. I get a call from the senior congressional staffer and said, you can't release. And I went, what? No, you can't release the videos. And I had known that McCarthy had been um, unseated that earlier that uh, evening. And I said, well, what does that have to do with this? I've already, got, I've already got them. I've got approval on that. And he said, no, we lost our ability for the approval of the release of all the January 6th um, Capitol CCTV videos the second that McCarthy was unseated. And he said, we have to wait now until we have a new speaker and see which direction they take it and as you know it was a few weeks later we we got the new speaker and then i have every bit of clear understanding of what was happening to him i mean look mike johnson's life changed overnight uh and his workload changed and the number of alligators chomping at his rear end (laughs) changed and and so suddenly i had to use that you know understanding and and wisdom and give him the grace and the space needed to work his way through that for another few weeks until he could get to the January 6th video issue. And, and certainly, we were applying pressure uh, directly and indirectly, social media, through our stories. We were, you know, we were tagging every story we did with Mr. Speaker, release the videos. And so, it was out there. And um, and then, of course, the the one thing that most of America doesn't understand yet because they didn't actually read the press release, and that's understandable. But the all of the video has not been released yet. There's one a micro fraction of it has actually been released. It's basically a teaser, and the rest of it is coming. Um, but it's going to have to be uh, rolled out over many months. They can't just upload it uh, to a server and publish it all. It literally has to go through every frame of that has to go through security review. And that is just going to take a lot
1: of time. I am, I am monumental. I am so, so far I'm scheduled to have a chat with him online on air next week. And one of the things I want to get into is the timing for that with him. I don't know if he'll be able to give me any details, but that's something I think everybody needs to know. This, this is the perfect timing to really open it up. And I understand just a little bit at a time because you don't want to overload the American people. But much of what has already been released, it's showing gross misapplication of every bit of power that those that represent us are supposed to have and use for us to hide what really happened. And Americans are going to watch this come out, and every time it does, it's going to be one of those OMG moments. I didn't know that. I thought it was the other way. And we're finding out every day we were lied to by uh, Nancy Pelosi and her committee that were supposed to save Earth. And all they did was try to paint a picture of Donald Trump that is not a real picture. He was not involved in an insurrection. And he hadn't even been charged with that. Of course everybody now they think that he's been charged for insurrection and if he's convicted of insurrection he can't serve in public office any longer but there's not even a charge of that Hey listen I want to step away from that for just a second this transgender situation it's getting out of hand <laughs> I mean I I just I when I hear these stories come out I literally just sit there and say, how could America let this happen and make it okay? I mean, I've always been that way to some degree about abortion, but I mean, I understand the abortion process a little bit, but this transgender stuff, it defies comprehension of anybody that has any understanding of the reality of biology. I think I told you this. A couple of years ago, I had a doc when this first stuff, transgender stuff just took off. I had a doctor come on my show, a very reputable female doctor. And she came on the show, and we were together on the show for about an hour. And she was walking our audience through all of this stuff um, the biological, male to female, female to male. There is no such thing. And finally, she just said, Hey, look, Dan. I'm going to say it succinctly just like it is. Your sex is determined by one thing, and it's your chromosomes. And you can't change your chromosomes. So they can say, you know, I identify as this. I mean, if you want to be a pig, just get on all four and start barking. Um, But anyway, she lost her job over that interview, not because of unfactual information, but because it didn't fit the gender narrative of today, and the one yeah. that I want to get your opinion on is this swimmer named Megan Cortez Fields. Now, yeah. if, if mm. I, and I, I'm I'm reading a paragraph out of a Breitbart news story, and I'm going to read it verbatim. I want you to listen to how they wrote this. Here we go. Quote: swimmer Megan Cortez Fields, a man living. As a woman (laughs) Broke several (laughs) records After switching from the men's team Over to the women's team At Ramapo College of New Jersey So here's the follow up paragraph And then I want your opinion on all this Megan Cortez Fields Won first place Broke a school record in the 100 yard butterfly With a time of 57.22 At the Cougar Splash Invitational a two-day meet between six schools in Dallas, Pennsylvania. I didn't even know there was a Dallas in Pennsylvania. Maybe that's, hmm. maybe that's the suburbs of Dallas, Texas. I don't know. He also came in first place in the 200-yard individual medley and earned second place in the 200-yard butterfly. So that's just more of this stuff. How? Please, you're a very smart man, much smarter than I. How? is this whole mess being reconciled into society. What happened to women's rights? And when I say women's rights, I mean, as that female doctor told me, uh, (laughs) how do you change your sex without changing your chromosomes and get away with it? And how in the world can America, this America today, Accept it for any reason or reasons, and reconcile it in any way. You, you want me to answer
6: the how right now? It's very easy. I can give you that answer in one simple sentence. Okay. It's progressivism, progressivism is a mental disease itself, and that's all. That's that's what it boils down to. Dan, if you are going to march through the streets of New York carrying a banner that says. LBGTQ for Palestine or homos for Hamas or whatever your placard says, if you're willing to do that and you don't understand the implications of what would happen if you carried that same banner through the West Bank (laughs) or, or, or Gaza, if you don't understand that you would be the very next person thrown off the top of a roof building, if you don't, If you can't make that connection in your mind, then you can't possibly reason your way to understand and quote unquote, trust the science, the biology, the chromosomal issue of a male or a female. And the bottom line, the bottom line here is I I just, there's two things that has to happen. The The first thing that has to happen is women, the girls competing in these events, have to stop competing. They have to immediately upon notice, That there is a transgender, that they will be an actual chromosomal male that they will be competing against. They have to stop and walk off the court, walk out of the building, walk out of the competition uh, field, whatever the the, the format, the venue is. Some of that is happening. We are seeing uh, that take place in in little pockets and certain events around the country. That is, in fact, happening they're either all of the girls are walking off or individual girls are saying, Nope, I'm not competing against that, that man, you know, whether it's a wrestling event or whatever the case may be. And in short of that, Dan, looking at these pictures of this uh, particular um, uh, uh, swimmer, just don't let them swim until they cut their bulges off. because he's, I mean, his, his bikini is clearly identifying that this is, a, this is a man <laughs> well, so if, he, if I, he's I, not if he's not willing to if he's not willing to lop it off, then he shouldn't get in the pool with the girls.
1: <laughs> I I ask you because I knew you would give me a, a very honest answer, <laughs> and that that's very honest. But where are Jane, what's her name, Jane Fonda, uh, and all of the other um, sexist haters from the seventies, sixties, yeah. and seventies? Where are they? Yeah. I've not heard a single one of them step forward and voice any support whatsoever for women. It's yeah. only support that you're hearing for men dressing up as women, maybe taking some hormones and doing whatever because they're not good enough to win competition yeah. in their own sexual perspective or if they're women against women, they want to be... Because they,
6: they, they, they can't, Dan. They can't. It goes right back to progressivism being a mental disease. As soon as they are challenged with the um, uh, moment of... Clarity of realization that they have to defend this, that they have to explain themselves, that they have to even go so far as to explain their own contradiction between what they proclaimed themselves to be, as you said, back in the '60s and '70s, or whatever these, you know, the the, the original feminist movements. Uh, I, I don't remember which wave that was: first, second, third, fourth wave feminism, as they say. I, I, I lose I lose track of all of that. But the point being is is that when they are forced with reality that they must explain themselves and then they realize they can't, then the best thing to do is just go silent, yeah, not say a word, because they can't. They can't explain themselves. And, and it's like this, and it's the same people who will criticize others for quote-unquote cultural appropriation. So um, I, I saw an incredibly great video the other day of a, of a guy who went through a college campus and it was a, it was a, a Caucasian male, uh, and he was wearing an entire um, uh, ancient Chinese um, uh, costume, like they wore, you know, back in the 16th century or whatever in China. And so he's wearing this costume, and he's he's on, I think, Ber- UC Berkeley or whatever it was. And so he's walking through the, the campus and asking other students what they thought about him wearing this costume, and they were incensed. I mean, they, they thought it was offensive. They thought that, um, you know, he should be run off of the the campus that he had no right to be doing this. This was cultural appropriation. It was racist. It was, you know, so et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the, all the things we know. Then he went to Chinatown wearing the exact same costume and went to actual Chinese people and said, what do you think of my costume? Every one of them go, Oh, we love that. We love that. It's so nice. Oh, you look so good in that, blah, blah, blah. And, and everyone, everyone, everyone he interviewed in Chinatown thought it was great. It's the same thing when you tar- start talking about the name change of the Washington Redskins to the commanders. The The Native Americans didn't want that name change. Who was it? It was progressive white people that were offended by the team being called the Redskins. And it's the same mental disease that we're dealing with here. And it's not explainable. It's not defendable. And they can't reconcile to it. So they just don't bring it up. That's why these feminists have all gone dark.
1: And they're not defending women. Well, just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. And the opposite's true as well. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't make it wrong. But facts, we're told... Follow the science. Remember Anthony Fauci told us every day, follow the science, follow the science. Don't listen to any of these quacks out there. And of course, then he got really mad one day and he said, I am the science. I guess basically that's the (laughs) mental disease you're talking about. Whatever I think is fact. And if you think something different, you're unworthy of even breathing the same air as I breathe. It's come to that. Well, speaking of... I'm telling telling you right now, Dan,
6: I am following the science at this very moment. I've already said it. I'm going to say it again. I'm looking at this photo of Megan Cortez Fields. Yeah. And by the science, that is a man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and no amount of surgery is going to change that, unfortunately.
6: No, the surgery is not. But this is pre. This is this is someone who has not even bothered
1: to go through that. But to qualify, there has to be um, hormone therapy to get the testosterone yeah. levels low enough to where they can justify competing against biological women. But anyway, yep. hey, we haven't talked about the latest going on with our president Joe Biden. And yesterday, a lot of things were front and center just because it was his birthday. Um, I, I don't want to get nasty, but look, we, you both of us, we talk about this stuff every day. You've got to. He is the president of the United States. And everything he's doing or not doing, it filters all the way down to every American. And it impacts us all. It just seems like, you know, three months ago, you and I talked. I didn't think it could get any worse, but I certainly didn't think it could get as bad as it is. I mean, there are so many clips going around. In fact, there were so many comedy clips that went around yesterday about his birthday, 81. Now, I'm 70. You're not there yet. You're not close, really. But I'm 70, and I look at Joe Biden, and even when he was in his 70s, I remember I I laughed at him almost his entire political career because he would say stuff that everybody, when he spoke it, knew that he didn't have any clue what he was saying, and he didn't care. He just did not care. But what's going on now? How can the Democrats in any way contemplate trying to run him, I don't care who it's against, a broom out of the closet, could beat him right now, <laughs> at least in mental acuity. What is going on? Yeah. What do you think is happening?
6: It's uh, it's obviously getting worse, and it's it's accelerating. I mean, he he clearly has a um, one of the forms of dementia. It's accelerating, and it's it's becoming evident in the in his physicality, not just in his words, not just in his forgetfulness, but you know the body itself begins to respond to that. Um, and, and so all of those signs are there, all of the, the, the experts, uh, that, that study this, you know, field of of science and, uh, brain, uh, function are recognizing this and it is in an accelerated, um, uh, context right now. And, and really and truly the age does have something to do with it. There's examples of, of, uh, men and women who have lived much longer than, Biden who kept their mental acuity for much longer than he's been able to do that. And there's no reason for us to be critical of somebody at that age that that's happening to the truth of the matter is, is every single scientist doctor in that field knows that we're seeing a much higher rate of dementia, um, types of dementia Alzheimer's and otherwise today in our population because our bodies are outliving our brains, because of healthcare, because of the advancements in healthcare over the last century, particularly. Um, the, you know, the average death rate, um, I'm sorry, the, the, the average age of, um, that people lived to in 1933 to 36, somewhere, when Social Security Administration was founded, was only 48 years old, Dan. That was the average uh, life expectancy. Forty-eight. Yeah. yeah, that's why. That's why Social Security worked then. Yeah, retire at sixty-five. It's not an upside-down Ponzi scheme when you have a, uh, you know, uh, life expectancy of only forty-eight. But when you move the life expectancy to eighty, because of uh, healthcare, better hygiene, all you know, the, the medicines that we have that are good medicines that are life-saving, life-extending medicines, things of that nature. Um, I mean, I had, I, I have, you know, a great uncle that. That died because he bled to death in the dentist chair. That doesn't happen anymore, um, you know. As a child, and and so all of those things have affected lower life expectancy back in those in those days. And and the point being is, is that we're outliving our brains right now and their ability to function. So until science, the brain science catches up with that, um, this is going to be a continuing problem. And so I'm not critical of Biden and his failing brain. I'm critical of his handlers. I'm critical of his family. I'm critical of those who are acting as his puppeteer and sending this, you know, um, vapid, vacant man, shell of a man that's left of him to the microphones every day and embarrassing us, embarrassing our country, and not just going ahead and dealing with the reality of it and and moving him on out. The The fact is, Dan, is they don't like Kamala Harris either, her own party, those in control, the puppet masters, whoever they may be. And I think you and I both know who that is. They don't like Kamala Harris. They don't want her to be president. But I think that as of right now, they're going to continue the process of injecting him with his, uh, you know, B12 and his, (laughs) uh, super, you know, uh, whatever whatever it is and sending him to the microphone until his, this presidency expires. And then at the right date over the next 11 and a half months, they will announce who will replace him at the top of the ticket. They may even, I, I think if I understand the rules correctly, that they can have what you know a um uh, at their convention at the dnc convention this coming summer that they can actually um nominate vote and bring in a new candidate there they don't need to go through the primary process
1: i don't know how that works i know that to be eligible to be on a ballot in november you've got to be uh have turned in your application to become a candidate At so many months before the election's going to happen. But they're going to do something to make changes. I want to just point something out happened yesterday. Of course, yesterday was his birthday. And there's a lot of stuff that's been going on. We had the the annual um, White House turkey pardoning. And Biden kicked it into his birthday celebration as well. And he tried to make a joke that ended up a little bit confusing to somebody here's what he said quote now just to get here liberty and bell that's the two turkeys liberty and bell had to beat some tough odds in the competition they had to work hard show patience and be willing to travel over a thousand miles biden said he was talking about the turkeys that traveled to dc to get pardoned but in trying to make the unlikely comparison to getting highly prized tickets to a concert, he just went off the reservation. He, the 81-year-old Joe Biden fumbled mixing up Beyonce and Taylor Swift. Here's what he said. You could say even harder than getting a ticket to the Renaissance tour or, or Britney's tour. You know, she's down. It's kind of warm in Brazil right now. <laughs> He said, and he was conflating Beyonce's re- Renaissance World Tour with Taylor Swift's Eris Tour. His mention of Brazil was likely about Swift who just held a show there. And many on social media wondered if in saying Britney in his joke, he may have meant Britney Spears. <laughs> what is Biden talking about? And I'm, I'm laughing because... If you don't laugh about this is the president of the United States. He's our guy. We may not have voted for him. We may not agree with what he does and what he doesn't do and all that kind of stuff, which, based on the current numbers, the majority of America feels that way. But he's still president. And um, no joking at all. I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. I pray for him every day. I make a point to pray for Joe Biden And Denny Duran, our mutual friend, my older brother, he he once put it succinctly. He said, look, when I go to the airport and I fly a lot and I get on jets, I don't have a clue who's flying left seat up front. But he said, when I get on it, I pray God, whoever he or she is, please help him or her get me to the destination where I'm going. So whoever's guiding the ship at the time, if it's not Joe Biden and he leaves office, whoever replaces him, we want that person to be very successful at what they're doing because we've got a lot at stake. One more thing, and I'm gonna switch back to what's going on in your life and why Let
6: me let me, he, let me say this let me say this first before about before you, you switch gears. I want to say this about praying for the president. Okay. I agree with Denny that the guy in the left seat of that chair of the aircraft. Yeah. I want to pray for him to get me where I need to go. When it comes to this president, (laughs) I I'm more inclined to pray the Pauline prayer of the destruction of his flesh. So that his soul (laughs) can be saved.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But the problem with that
6: prayer is then we have to deal with Kamala Harris. So it's not really, you know, it doesn't, we don't, we don't benefit either way.
1: And before we move on, you just, You just brought up Kamala, (laughs) my Louisiana senator, spokesperson of the century, John Kennedy. Yesterday, here's what he said publicly about Kamala. This is a quote. When they get her IQ to 75, they need to sell. (laughs) like on the stock market if it gets to 75 a share that's when they need how does this guy think of these things he's incredible i don't know he could be on the fly yeah he does he could be a stand-up comedian and and a good one for sure okay we've covered a bunch of different topics normally we don't go this quickly in a circle but there were a lot of things i wanted to touch base on i want to know what's happening you said things are heating up again Give us a skinny. Um,
6: let me let me just say this, uh, and, and this is because this is all I can say. Um, it, just in the last 24 hours, we have learned that our investigation into these Capitol Police officers has become even more explosive in terms of origins and in terms of the background of how they got there. Um, I have I have always believed since that first moment where I, my radar started pinging in the Keepers trial over a year ago that I was looking at a setup, that I was looking at um, a coordinated effort by what I've learned and since began to refer to as a star chamber to frame innocent men and women and put them in a position where they could not uh, in any way, shape, or form defend themselves effectively because their rights were being violated. But more importantly, we have discovered what I believe to be absolute proof of subornation of perjury. Anybody doesn't know what that word means, subornation? It just basically means that someone else with more power and a higher position put these officers up to doing that. And typically, when you do that, it's There's either some sort of reward, some sort of protection afforded them for taking that risk because they did. They did take a risk by lying, uh, not only to Congress, but also in the trials. And um, we are getting really close, Dan, to revealing the origins.
1: That's all I can say at this point. Here's the thing. That said. Before you finish, let, let me just say this. That being said, I am almost 100% positive that all of these things like this are happening. People are being exposed, but they're being told whenever it is that they talk about and commit to the quid pro quo thing that you just said would probably be significantly being done in each one of these cases, somebody initiated it and somebody had to give up some kind of guarantee for these people to be willing to do this. I would think so. Maybe there's financial involvement. Probably is. All that would be determined at a later date. But here's the thing. They use the Biden Department of Justice as the fallback. You don't need to worry about this if you're charged. Joe Biden controls this as his Department of Justice. And it's going to be something probably similar to what he has been telling or whoever the players have been telling Hunter Biden for all these years. You get all this money flowing this way, we're going to cover for you. Remember, I'm Joe Biden. I'm your daddy. I'm vice president. I'm now president. I've got your back. And so that has got to be at least part of the proverbial apple hanging out there to get these people to basically voluntarily give up the, the, the likelihood of getting caught for doing this. But I'm like you. I don't think the Joe Biden administration is going to be around much longer. And it looks to me like right now the orange man is the obvious odds on to win the presidency, even with all this other mess going around about him. And I don't think he's going to have anybody's back that participated in this January 6th hoo-ha that you've immersed yourself in for the last two or three years.
6: Yeah. Well, they never dreamed Dan that the wrong people, wrong people being me (laughs) would get their hands on this video. Yeah. And, uh, um, and now it's coming out to everyone. Uh, it's going to be a slow, grind as I as I mentioned previously and I was on the phone this morning uh, completely on the background I'm allowed to say a you know well-placed uh, highly ranking congressional aide um, is I've been in consult in co- consultation with for many months now uh, on this video release and not only are we benefiting from their, work to help us. They are benefiting from our work. And when I say ours, that's mine and some of the other independent journalists who have been used as guinea pigs to um, work through this process and help them work through this process um, to, to get this rolled out to the American people. I know everybody thinks, as I said earlier, that this just should have been uploaded in one night to a public server and everybody have at it. it just, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm actually writing a story about it right now. I, it just doesn't work that way. And and then and that's even before Dan we get into the politics because right now I can tell you from a highly placed congressional aide <laughs> that the Senate, who is controlled by the Democrats right now, are screaming bloody murder. They do not want this video released. And so there is the politics behind the scenes. Then then you get into the technical the technical problem of forty plus 1,000 hours of video and then the, in some cases, legitimate need for security uh, review and scrutiny in certain parts of the building. There are, let's, let's just be honest, there are escape hatches. There are hidden stairwells. There are hidden doorways. There are tunnels that the public doesn't know about that you can't see on maps on the uh, internet of, you know, you you can see floor plans of all the floors, very detailed floor plans on on the internet of, uh, of the Capitol building, but there are things that are not there. And, and so they, they have legitimate security concerns for the safety of the members and the staff and, and even, you know, the people that visit there. So this, this is, this is a monumental project that our new speaker, Mike Johnson has taken on to even begin the first steps of of releasing some of these videos. And I can tell you that the first 90 hours, now now he's only released and authorized the release of 90 hours of over 40,000 hours worth of January 6th video. The reason why he released the first 90 is that is representative of the first clips of footage that has been given to the likes of me and other journalists who have already identified what they wanted to show to the public and have already gone through security review. That's why that was the first and very small release of video. That's what that represents because they've already gone through all the processes that I've mentioned earlier. But I'll close it out with saying this is this is ultimately going to be very beneficial but people need to be a little bit patient about what they see. When, they, as you can, as you saw over the weekend, even Senator Mike Lee got duped by a, you know, uh, tweet or something from the Gateway Pundit, where this one particular gentleman was walking down the hallway and walking toward a, 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 an exit, and he seemed to flash a badge. You now he's masked up. He looks like a bad guy, and he, you know. And he flashes a ma- uh, 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 what looks like a a badge to the um, Capitol Police as he's exiting the building, and everybody said, "Oh, you see, see, undercover, undercover cops doing bad things." But it wasn't a badge. When you zoom in on it, it was a vape uh, unit. It wasn't a badge at all. And then when you know the background on this particular individual, this is somebody who has been sentenced to four years in pri- prison for um, uh, assaulting law enforcement officers. So everybody ran with this story because of their knee jerk reaction to something that what it looked like. And it wasn't video. You know, some people, when when you say, you know, you you have to trust your own eyes. You've heard me say on this program before that the one thing that I learned after January six is a, first of all, I will never, ever, ever again, believe anything I don't see with my own eyes, but then B, consult the videotape. And then see. after I've had access to so many thousands of hours worth of this video, is you have to see the video from every angle and in full context. Yeah. You can't just roll five seconds of video and go, see, 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 yeah. that, that, see what's happening there? No, no. You have to know everything about what that guy did the hour before that in another hallway or in another part of the building to understand the full context. And, and so that's the dangerous part that we've seen from this initial release of only 90 hours of video. And it's part of the discussion that I had today from a senior congressional aide was how can we make this better? And I said, let me help you make this better. We're writing a story about it and we're going to explain that. And we're going to explain how to put this in context and that everybody needs to be patient and, and let, let everything come out and then to be honest, Dan, even, even I, I'm 100%, 100,000% in favor of the American public seeing every single second of this 40-plus thousand hours of video. 100% in favor. It should have been executed in began a long time ago. But at the end of the day, the pros are going to have to analyze this. Yeah. And then we can show you, we can show you the breakdown, and then you can take a look at it. Go, yeah. They, you, can believe, you can believe the pros or not. But it's it's a man, it's it's work. It's tedious. It is not easy. You're not going to get the full picture from a five, ten, fifteen second 15-second um, piece of videotape.
1: And we still don't know for sure who actually fired the gun that killed JFK all these years later. Now technology's far, far away from where it was in the 1960s. That helps a whole lot. But there may be and probably will be questions that we'll never get answers for. We may get close, but we may not mm-hmm. get answers. Let me ask you this. Do you see a time, and then I'm, I'm going to let you go after this. Thank you for giving us so much time this morning. Do you see a time, is it likely, probable, even possible, where will someday we'll get a documentary out, maybe a multi-part documentary that will put all of this together, the factual stuff when it's all compiled. Do you think we'll ever see something like that?
6: You know, there are several January 6 documentaries already out. My footage has been used in the HBO, New York times, Epic times, and even unauthorized in some other people's, um, you know, lower quality or, um, Smaller media sources um, that have done documentaries on January sixth.
1: Yeah, kind of like me. Kind of like me. Yeah, <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have we're going to have to we're going to have to wait. I mean, history is going to have to look back at this, assuming assuming we still have um, the freedom to even go back and look at all of this in hindsight, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now. Um, but yes, somebody's going to have to do that once we have it all. Put together once all of the pieces of the puzzle are put together I, let me let me tell you let me tell you something that um you know i i have been meeting with congressional members some of those have been off the record some of those just the very fact that i met with them is off the record um, but in one of my more recent meetings this particular congressman told me he said you know He said, we have been trying to put together the pieces of this puzzle without the box cover. And do you know what he means by that? No. Uh, Think of a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. What does the box cover that it comes in represent? It represents the completed product. And so you use the box cover photo as a guide to start putting the jigsaw puzzle together. Gotcha. And he said, he said, we've been trying to do this without the box cover. And he
1: said, I think you just brought us the box cover. Hmm. Wow. Well, I can't wait. Is this going to happen in my lifetime? Yeah. It is.
6: <laughs> All right. Assuming, my friend. assuming that Assuming that yours truly survives till
1: that yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you and I have already had those conversations about when you want to read me in and into anything, just let me know before you read me in that I'm being read in and, <laughs> and and give me the warning signs. If this happens, then you know you are got to do this. Uh, That's right. Anyway, once again, I thank you so much for being a part of this and keeping us side by side with you. You, I know, are going down to be with your sister, and that's a great thing. I know holidays are very important to you as they are to me. And so get some rest. I know you're going to be working while you're down in uh, in Florida, and I hope you are. And hopefully you'll be able to come back next Tuesday and share with us. But be careful. Tell your family hello for me, and keep in touch. If you need to tell me something, call me. Please call me. You know I will Thanks, Dan. Thank you Steve Have a great one What a friend that man is And what a great journalist he is Investigative journalist I know him personally His integrity is impeccable And he never says something's factual Unless it's factual for sure
0: The world tells you to wait That waiting is polite And good things will just come But if I waited to be invited in, I never would have stood out. If I waited for change to happen, I never would have made a difference. So make the first move. Don't wait to be told your place, take it. Don't wait for people to find you, find them. In work. In love. In life. And most of all, don't wait to be given power, because here's what they won't tell you.
2: We already have
4: it. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh... Can I get a... Okay, get in the McDonald's. Ooh. Ooh, can I
3: get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah,
5: uh, can I get a... Uh...
4: Uh... Uh... Go, Bubba, go! Uh... Uh... Pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh... Ten-piece Chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that?
0: Uh... So, Ms. Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky?
3: Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies
2: for several years at the Southampton Institute, uh-huh. preceded by intensive graduate studies at
0: Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and... Sopransky? Oh, thanks. A job
2: interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? Get the heck out of there. With Southwest Airlines, fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd.
0: It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to
2: you soon. Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA.
0: Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth. Only the truth. At TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org
1: Well, that was great. It's always great to have Steve with us when he can be here. And he never tells us something's imminent or something is pending unless it really is. So I can't wait for him to be able to share with me and you what the latest is. Have you noticed somebody that is mysteriously either gone off stage or maybe has left the room and is being quiet that normally isn't quiet, I'm talking about on the political stage, would be somebody like um, Barack Obama. To me, it looks like the bromance between former President Obama and his one-time Veep has officially hit the skids. Speaking at the 2023 Democracy Forum earlier this month, Obama barely mentioned Joe Biden. And according to some reports, tensions between the two camps are evident. The takeaway of the weekend was not, hey, team, we've got to get the band back together to help Biden out. That's what one attendee told the Washington Post. If this is a supposedly existential threat, and democracy is so challenged, then why aren't you being more overt about it? Think about that. Obama held a reunion with thousands of his former staffers in Chicago this month. It was to celebrate the 15th anniversary of his 2008 election victory. The Obama Foundation's forum was pegged to the event to explore issues critical to strengthening democracy. But it's a 2024 election that is on most people's minds right now. Many Democrats, many leaders in the Democrat Party, are wondering if Biden's advancing age and his dismal polling numbers spelled defeat for the Democrats. In his speech at that event, Obama did little to unite his party around the scandal-ridden incumbent. At the Chicago Forum, multiple attendees also noted the pointed absence of any meaningful cheerleading for Joe Biden, who had served eight years as Obama's VP. Obama barely mentioned Biden in the speech he delivered that Friday night, and in an interview with the Pod Save America podcast the same day, Obama eschewed several opportunities to promote his former running mate's campaign. Obama mentioned Biden only twice during his speech. Once to say he's encouraged Barack is, that the Biden administration and other governments are beginning to recognize the threats posed by artificial intelligence and wants to praise Biden's signing of the Inflation Reduction Act, which has done anything but reduce our inflation. On the podcast, Biden's name never came up as he talked about threats to America's democracy. Now the Obama camp they blamed the lack of support for the president on the Obama Foundation's status as a nonprofit with a spokesperson explaining to the Washington Post that it's against the law for the foundation to engage in any partisan political activity. Yeah that's a great excuse, isn't it? The Biden campaign held a standing room only off-site presentation to Democrats in Chicago that same weekend. The spokesperson pointed out where his 2024 path to victory was detailed. While the polls are making some party members panic, Democrats did score several key election victories earlier this month, winning the Kentucky governor's race and the hotly contested Virginia legislature, as well as a major abortion initiative up in Ohio. And... Obama did throw Biden a nicely worded bone on X, formerly known as Twitter. For eight years, at POTUS and I worked to deliver change for the American people. That's what Obama wrote. I couldn't have asked for a better vice president and friend. And will always be thankful to all the campaign staff and administration alumni who helped bring that progress to folks across the nation. Along with the acknowledgment, Obama posted a video of Biden kicking off the Democracy Forum with gushing praise for his former boss. But as polls indicate, the president is trailing behind former President Donald Trump and one of Biden's few challenges for the Democrat Party nomination isn't convinced. The Democrat brand isn't the problem. That's Representative Dean Phillips, a Democrat from Minnesota, said in an interview. It's becoming clear that President Biden is the problem. I don't know what we're going to do to get out of this mess. I just don't think this president has got his mind in the right place. I don't think even, and I'm sad to say this, I don't think he has any idea where his mind lives. And it's really difficult to watch. He's literally falling apart in front of the American's eyes. And that's sad. Hey, guys. Thanks to Steve Baker for being here. Thank you for being here. I think we have the best show in America. And it's all because of you. You guys have a great Tuesday. Get ready for some good food this Thanksgiving. That's just two days away. See you tomorrow.